Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Dina Dwyer, who is an interior designer. She is also the owner of the Francis House in Calistoga. Dina, it is amazing to be sitting down with you because you are so accomplished, and we are sitting in the Francis House in Calistoga, and it is one of the absolute most charming places I have ever been in the Napa Valley. Well, thank you, Michelle, and the sun came out for you today. I know, <laughs> like yay. Of, like, <laughs> deluge here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be great because you have a really fascinating career path. So before we dive into everything the Francis House, let's talk about your career. I found it quite fascinating that one of your first professional jobs was a researcher at the Asian Institute of Management. Then you went on to work for the embassy at the Philippines, and then Louis Vuitton, and then you were a store designer at Ann Taylor and Gap. What was going on? (laughs) (laughs) What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I think that my career was basically a product of where I was and relationships in my life. Before you became a designer and had your own business, which part of your career that I just listed did you find the most fun and rewarding? It's not necessarily the most fun, but I think the seed of my design interest was spawned very early in my life. I was born and raised in the Philippines, and my parents had an export business. And so as a child, I was exposed to the family business and eventually worked there every summer while my friends were in the States vacationing. I was working for my parents, and that was the start. And since then, all the creative endeavors I've had, I think, was born out of that seed, working for my parents and that expert business. Okay, so it all started with your parents. Was there one of those positions that you found you learned the most? They all gave me a certain way of knowing myself. I can't say that one is better than the other because it kind of just... You learn different things at different positions. Yeah, so it's... it's They build upon each other. That's correct. Why did you ever leave the embassy? Because that seems like a super fun job and you were from the Philippines and wouldn't that be like perfect? It was fun. It was, I love my country and I love promoting the Philippines, except that, again, as I mentioned, it's a product of where I was in my relationship. I was there because my former husband and I moved to Washington, D.C., and eventually we separated. And so I moved to New York and said, goodbye to the embassy life exactly and went back to school and I went to Parsons in New York it's been my dream to go to Parsons and so that started my whole career in design what do you like most about design and how did you know you wanted to tap into that side of you 
I always wanted to be an interior designer, but my parents were like, no, we have a business, you have to help us. I'm the eldest child in an Asian family, you know yes. how that goes. And so I said, okay, fine. I followed what they wanted. So I was working for them. But in my dream, I subscribed to so tons of all these shelter magazines, Architectural Digest, El Decor. And I always said one day, one day, one day. And then I got married. And so that got pushed back again. And then just didn't happen until after my separation that I went back to school and did something that I had always wanted to do. An opportunity presented itself. You got your formal education and then you went on to work for Ann Taylor in The Gap as being a store designer. That's a lot different from what you're doing today. What was that like and what did you learn from being there? So that, you know how it is when you get an opportunity after school. It's, sometimes it's not the job of your choice, but it's there and, and it becomes a stepping stone towards Absolutely. something. And so that was what was offered to me after I graduated. And at the time, you know, you can't be like waiting around for the perfect job. You just take a job and then it leads, one thing leads to another. And so I did take the job. It was great. Story design is very different from interior design because story design is, you have a template, that was fine. But after doing that for like 10 years, you realize, hey, I want to make my own rules. I don't want to be following what should, this should be here and that should be there. Right. The template. Correct. The template. <laughs> right. You want more creativity. Exactly. But in stores, that's how the world is. You, right. you know, there is a formula and, and the, the formula, formula is works. tested. So you just have to go by that. Right. And then um, eventually I ventured in, when I met Richard ventured into um, interior design for residential homes and that's when it just like skyrocketed exactly I'd love for you to describe the moment when you decided you wanted to own your own design firm I imagine it wasn't an easy decision well so that didn't happen so organically I was working for The Gap then so I was in New York moved to San Francisco in 2006 met Richard within a week of moving that's her current husband yes. who's fabulous <laughs> <laughs> and so we met and we met in yoga <laughs> so he it was funny because I found him annoying in the beginning he was like saying and he's he loves yoga he does handstands three of them every single day are you telling me he won you over with a handstand well, in did, yoga no he did not <laughs> but he was like he asked me do you know handstand today and it was a Sunday morning it was like eight o'clock in the morning and I was like so happy to be just there to be able to have gotten to my mat and he right. asked me why I'm not doing handstands oh lord so I was so annoyed yes <laughs> but anyway um and, but that was funny because he just persisted. He just kept on talking. And I had just come back from New York. I, in New York, people don't talk to, to strangers, right? And here suddenly everyone is like talking to me. And this is guy talking to me. And it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a different life. After living in New York where everybody walks so fast, you don't talk to anybody. It was strange and refreshing to have people, strangers on the street, talk to you while you walk to work. So uh, Richard was there talking and we met and um, a couple of dates after he asked me, um, well, why are you working for The Gap? Why don't we just work together? Because he builds homes for a living. And in my head, I was like, dude, I just met you like a week ago. I'm not going to quit my job. And, and what if we don't work out? And then I'm out of a job. Right. So I, I in my head, I just said, you know what? I'll give it a year. If we're still together in a year, then I'll think about it. 
And so he just kept on asking me, and I said, no, no, I'm fine where I am. And a year passed, and we were still together, and the rest is history. And so you did it. So we did, and um, so Richard builds. So that was my entry into residential. So there are projects we did together, and there are projects I did on so my long. own. Mm-hmm. But that was basically how I started in interior design. Okay. Well, that was kind of probably a n- nice way to begin your own business because you had his support. Michelle, it was beginnings of many sorts. I mean, I had just <laughs> moved into a new city. I met a new guy, and then I'm in a different, same design field, but in a different industry. Industry. When you look at an empty space, what do you see as an interior designer? I always ask myself what the space needs to be. Then it just comes. We have to now talk about the Francis house. It is an incredible home. It's the only stone building left in Calistoga. It was a family home that was originally built in 1886. In 1918, it was converted into a hospital. And then it closed down in 1965 Mm -hmm. and then was abandoned for 52 years. Yeah, craziness. Especially since it's like this little gem. How did you and Richard, first of all, stumble upon it and say, hey, let's take on this project? So when Richard and I um, first met, we had spoken about, you know, plans, where are we going to retire, what are your dreams? And I always wanted to have a small hotel as a retirement project. We don't have children and we feel that Having a hotel is kind of your connection to community and society. We don't want to be old alone. And so we wanted to be in constant interacting with with community and and guests and friends. So we always wanted to get, look for a property that would be able to build a hotel. And I had originally wanted to do it in the Philippines. First, because... Well, labor is cheaper there. Everything is cheaper there. Right. And I'm from there, so right. it'll be easier. But Richard had been to the Philippines, but the two of us together probably 10 times looking for projects wow. and for properties. And the last three, I was not even with him because I told him, you know what? You go. I had to take care of business here. I don't need convincing. You are the one that needs convincing. I, I was born and raised there. I know how it is to live there. But it's you that needs to, to know that this will work for you. Well, and he's the builder. So if he can find a structural building that would make for a good hotel mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. that he liked and saw some potential, then that would be great. Correct. Mm. So he was there for a month and a half for the last three trips that he made on his own. And all those three didn't work out. Either we didn't, we couldn't agree on a price, or they they say this is the price, and then a month later they say, oh, it's now this. Oh, I, I mean, all those things. It was just frustrating because we were so ready to, to start, and right, and, but it just never happened. And in my desperation, oh no, I'm a, <laughs> no, no, no I'm, a, I'm a big believer in astrology, and he laughs when I tell people that because he thinks you shouldn't be telling people that they think you're crazy, but. 
I'm not gonna dive in based on what an astrologer tells me, right. but I take in all the information, all the input I can get, and make a informed know, decision. Informed decision based on everything I collect. That was my intention. So I contacted this astrologer, and he says, you know, the reason why you it's never worked is because he says Richard has lines that go over the Philippines, meaning in his past life he's lived in the Philippines, but you don't. So in order for your relationship to work, both your lines should cross over the same spot, city, and it's not in the Philippines. I said, okay. Did he the tell you point, where it was? <laughs> well, he did. He said, the whole, I, well, but in my mind, it's like the whole point is I had to get out of the States because it was retirement. We had, it had to be less cost of living, easier lifestyle. And um, he says, okay, so there are three places where that can happen. So I said, where? So he, first he says, Japan. I'm like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't speak any Japanese. And then he says, Israel. And I love Israel. But at that time, there was like all these conflict with the Middle East and stuff. So I'm like, that's not going to happen. That's I not said, happening. Okay. And I hope the third one is going to be something that's like more doable. And he says, San Francisco was the third. His name was Gal. I said, Gal, <laughs> the whole point was for me to get out of San Francisco because it's way too expensive here. And he says, well, that's, you asked me. So I guess I was stuck in San Francisco. So I stopped searching. Everything was put on hold for Philippines. And I was looking for for properties in San Francisco. We're not in San Francisco. (laughs) Well, well, generally San Francisco. Okay, the Bay Area. Yes, and another thing that he said is you have to look for a place that is near water because Richard and I are both Sagittarians, so we're fire signs. Because for it to work, you also have to be tempered by water it's because you're both too fiery, I guess. So, okay, fine. I said, where? That, that does not exist. Right. So fast forward two years after, um, whenever Richard builds, uh, probably a year or six months before the project is closing, I'm looking for the next one. And I would always look Napa and Palo Alto area or mm-hmm. the peninsula because that's where he, he builds. But Napa, because we love Napa. Mm-hmm. So I would always look in both areas. And in that looking, I found the Francis house. We almost closed to the place in Rutherford, in Healdsburg. We were all over the map. But again, we got outbidded or the pro- or their property was too small for what we had wanted. So continued to look and we found this place and he looked at me. It was a it was in the computer, a drone shot, and I guess late in the evening. I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, is there a missing zero in this price? Because how <laughs> could this how could this I mean it it was a drone shot, it was like a mansard roof, very stately and then Verdant, everything was green around it. How can this be? But it was late in the night, so I book. I put it in my book. I bookmarked the the, the website, Page, and the right? next morning, turned my computer on, <laughs> and it was still there for the same price. And so I called Rich. Rich, you better look at this. And he looked at it, and he goes, "How long has it been in the market?" And I said, "52 years." <laughs> and he goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, it's been sold, bought, and sold multiple times." in the span of 52 years, but nothing's ever been done about it. I mean, the, the See, isn't that just... crazy? Why did anyone buy it if they weren't going to well, do the anything? Well, the thing, Michelle, I think, is because 
so the property is listed in the National Register of Historic Properties. Which is, I think, fantastic. Well, but then because of that, there's also so many limitations oh. that you can't do this, you can't, I mean, we could not even drill a single hole to, to vent a, a um, gas dryer on, on a stone wall. Oh, no. So, I mean, if that's a problem for, I mean, for a single family home, that's the magnitude of that problem for a hotel is even bigger, far bigger. Right. But I think that's, so that's basically the reason why nobody has ever, I mean, they bought it thinking that they could do this. And then when they lay all the plans and ask for the permit, then it, they just hit a it snag didn't and, work. Then just, and then on to the next, on to the next. When Rich went to the city to say, I'm interested in buying the Francis house, everyone looked at him like, oh my God, not again. <laughs> I mean, it's like, because it just keeps on going and nothing ever happens. Right. And so we said, okay, look, we'll work with you. And we were told, the mayor told us that if we had not made an offer at the specific time, we made an offer that this would have been gone. Um, oh, they would have demolished? For, demol <gasps> for demolition. It oh was too God. much of a liability for the city mm. and an eyesore. Right. I mean, Michelle, parts of the build of the hospital were still like hanging and then it was like a part is collapsing. Like, it was like a Picasso painting. It's like you had to look at it in <laughs> many different directions. It's like, what is that hanging up there? Yeah, so when we went to, to see the property the first time and Rich told me, well, he, he goes... There's a reason that this has been empty for 52 years, right? Because, but you know, if you want to talk to the agent, call them up, but I don't know where this is going to lead. So I called the agent a week after we were here and I looked at Richard and said, are we, are we in the right property? Because suddenly it looked, it looked like it shrunk oh. <laughs> because now we're like street level and everything was boarded up. And oh. what I thought was like a garden around it were like weeds up to my shoulder. Oh no. Um, there was all the glass. And, and the um, windows were boarded up like a condemned building. Right. Like scary. We went down and we were we wore hard hats and we had to sign a waiver saying if something falls on you, you know, we're not liable. And there was basically only like two feet of area that we could stand on that was not mud and and broken Debris. glass, empty beer bottles, um, test tubes, and lots of shards and everything. There was no more roof. So when we were here for the first time, it was raining. It was raining inside the house. And, it, you know, when we were walking, it was like, it was wet all over but the you place. But you still <laughs> went forward. <laughs> so I, th I actually think that there couldn't have been a better pair to tackle this project because you've got a builder and an interior decorator. That's what everybody so. says. But even with that in our back pocket, it was still a challenge. Every day was a challenge. Right. At any point, did you think maybe you need to stop? Many times it happened, but then we figured if you stop now, then what happens? So right. we'll never, I mean, we just have to finish and figure out if we're going to sell this or we're going to... Yeah, what the plan's going to exactly. be. Exactly, but we had, we had to finish. I mean, like, we couldn't leave the project Half midway, done. right? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, like I said, super charming. You've got five rooms here mm -hmm. it really is this gem tucked in calistoga a few blocks from main street or downtown how would you describe it because i'm sure you can do a, a lot better job than i can primarily it is a home it was originally a home and we didn't want it and you'll notice that we designed it 
in a way that it did not look like a hotel. It looks like a home. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing that is the same for all the rooms. Each room is different. Um, there's nothing standard. We gave it all the touches that I would personally give if it were my own home. So in that way, it's very special. We didn't try to cut corners because we, we built it basically for ourselves. And to open it up for guests to stay in was a gift for us because Again, it didn't happen in the Philippines, but it was, this is where it was meant to happen to save the building at the same time to have the hotel here because it was always a plan is, but I just didn't know where it was going to be. And for some, I guess, serendipity, it, it, it was it's here. It, it happened here. It's here. Well, the inn opened in, was it 18? 2018. And that means you're five years old or five years in in october you have this fantastic property and as you said it's like your home when people come here what sets the francis house apart from every other place people could go stay i think it's primarily having me and rich here because they feel first to hear the story of of how this all began is precious and also that all of our guests at stayed are the reason why this exists. We can't afford to keep this, to maintain this, just the two of us in this, this home with, with all these rooms. So we feel that every guest we welcome is contributing and is the reason why we're around. And I'm here, I make breakfast for my guests every morning. So I think that's pretty special. Absolutely. And then the friendships that evolve from their stay, I've made my closest friends are guests who I've met here because they stayed here. It's, it's very special. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, we're going to shift on to your personal life, although we've talked about it a little bit already. You do split your time between San Francisco and Calistoga. You're spending more time in Calistoga now. I would like to know that if we took a step inside your home, and I'm gonna ask you about San Francisco. Um, if we took a step inside your home in San Francisco, what would we see? What's your decorating style there? My style has evolved so much. In the beginning, I was so into modern and color and suddenly i'm i like moldings i like marble that are like scarred and old that is aged and i still like a little color but not as much as before and i find that i also am drawn to things that have age or has history so very different it's it's amazing how when i look at my design personality it has changed 100% from 2000, the early 2000 to what it is now. So when we take a step inside your home in San Francisco, it's, it's a lot of neutrals, a lot of natural stones and wood. Would that be accurate? Well, the first home, yes, when we first moved there. But since okay, then, today. We, we, well, we were modeled because we're hardly ever there. So mm -hmm. we kind of downsized. So we have a very special property. It used to be a, a speakeasy in San Francisco. And so it's a smaller space. So we kind of have a, 
a loft setup where mm -hmm. it's one big space and and the only division is like curtains that separate the living and dining and kitchen from our bedroom. So it's not as crazy as the old place in 2006 that we had, but it's, I, I, would, I would say it's in the middle of modern and this. It's more veering towards classic and tradition, not okay. so much the modern. I have... Um, What's the predominant color? Beiges, natural tones, yes. Okay. When you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to put on? I like classical music. I'm, I'm very, very strange. She is <laughs> I not. Like, I like Richard Clausen teeny bopper music. So I go from teeny bopper or classical. I go from, even in dressing style, I go from like, really inexpensive to really high end. I don't have a middle ground, which okay. is Okay, that's all right. That's you. That makes you you. When you're relaxing, what do you like to drink at home? I'm a champagne girl. All right. Bubbles are my beverage of choice too. Do you have a champagne preference you wanna call out or do you just like bubbles in general? I have a favorite. I like Bill Cart's Salmon. Mm, yeah, I like that one too. What do you think the key is to a successful dinner party? I think the key is being just natural and easy. I don't like a lot of fuss, and I just want it to be really casual. I find that the best dinners are when everyone is relaxed and everyone's just having a good time with no nothing fancy, really. Do you have a go-to dish that you like to serve at a dinner party that you know that's always a crowd pleaser? I cook so much for breakfast because I cook. <laughs> so when people come, it's like, we're going to bring you something. Don't cook. <laughs> that's my favorite guest. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. But you cook breakfast, so let's talk about your go-to breakfast item. I shouldn't say like what I like to cook, but I think the favorites, I, I make um, waffles, buttermilk waffles. I make popovers. Occasionally, I, I get creative and I do things that are not really breakfast food and suddenly it shows up at 9 o'clock for breakfast. But I think that's it. People just like the surprise. And I don't have, I'm not a traditional, this is just a breakfast meal. I, I eat breakfast for dinner. I, I eat dinner food for breakfast. breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you're in the mood for, right? Exactly. And whatever is fresh. I, we go, the Calistoga market is open all year round, rain or shine. And so it's very accessible and easy. So whatever, I, I'm, I'm not the type of person who makes a menu and then builds from there. I, I shop first and then make the menu. Oh, there you go. That's unique. I find it easier that way because then you know that the, it's fresh and seasonal and I'm not going to be looking around in three different Places. grocery stores for a specific thing that's not right. in season. That's actually smart, <laughs> frankly. It's easy too. I mean, the Calistoga market is like, two blocks away from here. Right. Do you have a hobby? Do you collect anything? Do you I, have time for a hobby? <laughs> I, I do collect. Well, I don't collect, but I, I read a lot. I collect uh, a lot of design books, but lately I think it's, when we downsized, it was a horror show to like, what am I gonna do with all these stuff? I mean, I, I had like piles for donate, piles for sale, piles for, 
it, it's hard. So I find now that when I get something, I, it has to be really special for me to bring it in because it took a while to get all the things I don't need out. So you're a reader. I'm a reader. What's the last book you read? Or are you reading something now? I am, but it's for a book club. That's okay. And I think it's called Lessons in Chemistry. Ugh. <laughs> Is it good? I'm a third in the way, so I can't judge yet. But yeah, okay, it's you're on the fence. <laughs> you're it's on pretty, the fence. No, it's pretty interesting, but I just, I guess you'll never know sometimes until. You clearly didn't pick this book to read, right? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll get my turn. You've done quite a bit of traveling in your life. Is there yes. a meaningful trip that you can tell us about? We were in Antarctica last, not last January, but two Januarys ago. That was meaningful because it was so hard to get there with COVID and all that. It was like, it was the first time that international travel opened up. But even then, we still had to do the, the testing when we got to the airport in Santiago. So it was still a challenge. But to me, every trip is meaningful because it, it's with Richard. It's our time away. And work together here I know physically every day um, at the inn but it's not quality time because we're always around people there's a lot of work and if you live and work in the same place you'll understand what I mean there's just no delineation you're just constantly working it and but when you're on vacation it's pretty special because then it's just the two of you and it's it's quality time so Antarctica how did you select Antarctica we always wanted to go to Antarctica, and it just we just thought that maybe during the pandemic it was the best place to go to because there's, <laughs> you know it's not crowded, there's it's open air, and it's so that's so. What the, was it like? Cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay, other than cold, um, would it, you go back again? Or was probably once not. Mm -hmm. I, there's so many places in the world. That's a problem with me. Is once I go, it's the same thing with restaurants too. It's hard for me to go to the same restaurant over and over and over again because even if the food's good, I feel that there's so many and I'll never be able to try other things if I keep on going back to the same place. So right. same thing for, for travel. Okay. Is there something people might be surprised to learn about you that we haven't talked about already? <laughs> Do you know anybody who doesn't drive? doesn't drive no you don't drive <laughs> well, you met one no i drive i can drive but i don't drive wow i'm a high maintenance friend if you want to go out you have to pick <laughs> me up and bring me back home uh, you don't have a chauffeur on speed dial <laughs> his name is richard oh poor guy <laughs> that is pretty surprising for sure i'm kind of curious to know why mm, i guess it's just i'm i'm scared of speed so I can drive to Napa. I can be at 50 miles per hour, but the minute I have to merge and I don't know where to merge and, and, and it's, I'm at like 80 miles per hour, I can't. It's not comfortable for you. It's not comfortable. No. Okay. Plus, Michelle, I moved here. I was already like 30. Growing up in the Philippines, we had, we had help. We had people who would drive. Right. And, and you were in New York City. And you I don't was really in New York. drive yeah. there. Yeah. I mean... I, I miss it, actually. I miss being able to, like, take the train, the subway. Sometimes when Rich wants to meet me, and when he's already in the peninsula, and he wants to meet me there, and I said, oh, I'll take the, I'll take the call train. And he goes, why? 
why don't you take I said because I want to be on the train <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know I like I like being on the train I like being in the subway I, yeah there's something special about that that's interesting it reminds you of a familiar time yeah and and I guess it, it's being independent and mm-hmm. just doing it not being dependent on somebody like or to t- have to take a car it's just right. I can go whenever I want to what are some of your favorite restaurants in the Napa Valley? Soul Bar. It's very close. So yes. That's very important because, again, my friends will kill me if I say, I want to go to Healdsburg, then you've got to drop me back home. Right. <laughs> um, and Brasswood mm-hmm. and Press. Okay. That's a nice And collection. the Charter Oak. Oh, boy. You got it. Okay. Good deal. Well, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions mm-hmm. right now. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Lilies. Who would be your dream dinner guest? Axel Ververt. Okay. Do you know him? No. He's an interior designer. He lives (laughs) in Belgium. Okay. What is your favorite city to visit? Paris. Who's one of your favorite actors? I would say Tilda Swinton. And what's one of your favorite clothing designers? Celine. Okay. Well, Dina, you have been a delight. Thank you very much, Michelle. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.